0: Do. We don't care who's listening or who's not listening. What you got planned in 2018? How about a little laser pod? All right, here we go. Good evening. Sunday. Three minutes until nine o'clock. And welcome to another episode of the Pacers pod. The last episode before the playoffs. The regular season is down to one game. Pacers play Wednesday night in Atlanta against the Hawks. Um, basically a meaningless game because the Pacers are locked in now to the fifth seed so all that fight all that effort to try to hang on to home court advantage in the playoffs or at least for the first round of the playoffs um, didn't didn't end up working out for us in the in, at the end of the day but you know the Pacers are going to be in the playoffs they're going to be the fifth seed and it sure looks like we're going to be playing Boston. Apparently, there's a small chance that if Boston wins out and Philadelphia loses their last couple games, that uh, Boston could actually jump Philly and we could therefore play the 76ers, um, which would be rough uh, for the Pacers. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's a very, very, very slim chance. Um I know Boston's playing the Orlando Magic right now, who have been on a tear of late. And I just checked in, and it was like fifty-five to fifty-three, so they're right in the game there. Anyways, it's looking like Bo- it's looking like Boston's gonna have. Uh, well, Boston will have home court in the first round, and it's gonna be against the Pacers. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying. Uh, so, yeah. So the Pacers have had. I, I watched the game today against uh, Brooklyn. The Pacers have had four games since the last time I was on here. They had two against Detroit, then we had the one against uh, Boston on Friday, and then Brooklyn here on Sunday. I'll touch on, I guess, the bright spot, which was that the Pacers won uh, both games against Detroit, uh, Monday and Wednesday last week. Detroit was a team, well, Detroit didn't have Blake Griffin to start with. Uh, Which which really helped the Pacers cause. Um, Detroit was rolling out a starting lineup that had Thon Mccour or Thon Maker, depending on how you want to pronounce that. A guy named Bruce Brown, who I'm not familiar with, and then also Wayne Ellington, who's he's been around the league for a while, but as a starter, I mean, I'd say he's probably like one of the worst starters in the league. Uh, Well, maybe besides Bruce Brown and Thon Maker. So, you know, Detroit, they've actually been struggling a lot lately. And I know they were at one point in time here recently looking to be like the sixth seed in the East. And I think that they are maybe out of the playoffs as of right now. So, but the Pacers, you know, went into Detroit on Monday, got the win and then beat Detroit at home on Wednesday uh, and got the win there. Um couple notes from those two games starts with Sabonis Uh, this was like the funniest thing and one of the reasons why I love Sabonis is first of all he's a hell of a player Uh, to me he he always comes in off the bench usually you know with about four to five minutes left in the first quarter you bring in Sabonis usually for Thad Young and he just immediately just starts making shit happen. Sabonis will go, come in and get points, grab rebounds. Uh, he makes everything he shoots. Uh, most of the time, he's just been incredible coming off the bench. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, he's the reason why I say, whatever we do this off seasons, let's make sure we, let's make sure we can still sign Sabonis next year uh, because he's so important to, the, to this team. And even if like, even if him and Miles Turner play the same position, which they do, uh, that's just the unfortunate truth of it. Two of our top three players, or maybe two of our top four players, uh, play the same position. You know, Sabonis coming off that bench, I think, is the Pacers, especially with Oladipo out. That's that's our best weapon that we have. Uh, you know, our starters. We have a bunch of just kind of like average starters who generally start the game off with the pacers we're usually in the hole to begin with and then here comes our bench which is i think our best weapon and sabonis is our best our what what would you in that analogy so like sabonis is like our sharpest sword for, for for the for the bench weapon and like he comes in and just starts immediately turning things around for the pacers He's really been doing it all season long. Um, you know, we're 81 games in with only one game left. And Sabonis had 30 double-doubles this season, which they sh- in, in the game today against Brooklyn, there was a... Uh, they showed, like, the, the Pacers, the number... or the, There's only been four different Pacers who have had 30 double-doubles in a season, and it was... Jermaine O'Neal did it, like, five times which I, I I forget how good Jermaine O'Neal was, uh, or at least he put up crazy good stats. So you had Jermaine O'Neal, uh, Detlef shrimp, and shout out to Notre Dame. Troy Murphy did it a couple times too, getting 30 double-doubles. So Sabonis did that. 28 of his double-doubles come up, came, came with him coming off the bench. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think you still got to pay a guy like Sabonis uh, even though he, we already do have Turner there because it's kind of like paying Lou Williams. or uh, And for those who don't know, Lou Williams is probably going to be the sixth man of the year. Feels like he's won sixth man of the year the past five seasons. Um, he plays for the Clippers. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy that comes in and just changes the tone of the game. And that's the same thing that Savonis does. And I, I say it all the time, but Savonis is still super young. I just don't I am of the camp that we have to keep Sabonis and Turner. Um, so anyways, I love Sabonis. I love his energy. When he comes into the game, he immediately kind of steadies the Pacers. It seems like, oh, you know, like uh, he'll he'll get an easy bucket around the rim, grab an offensive rebound, grab defensive rebounds. Uh, he just he just is. He's that uh, steadying force for this team. Right now, especially without Oladipo, Um, and then the other thing about Sabonis too is you know all the emotion that he plays with. The guy's always like he's always uh, up for the challenge. He seems to always be he's just emotional. Like, and part of that is he complains a lot to the referees. Uh, He he thinks he's always gets fouled, and oftentimes the replays will show like, "Hey man, I don't know what you're really talking about here." But also he does. He does not get any calls. He's probably, um, and I don't know, maybe just like referees don't think he's earned it yet. Um, I think one day he'll eventually start getting more calls when he becomes more of a household name around the league. But, um, you know, right now he doesn't. And he definitely, it definitely pisses him off for sure. Um, but this game, one of the games, I don't remember if it was the, the one at, on the road or the one at home. Uh, but it was against Detroit, and Sabonis ends up fouling out of the game, and he'd been bitching about the refs all all game long. And it was a he he fouled out on like a kind of a tic tac foul, uh, and Sabonis is storming off the court, smiling. He's he he's staring down the referee that called the foul on him. He's walking towards the bench, but also looking at the ref. He gives him the big old thumbs up with a big old smile. And then he turns his face from the ref, and then you can just see him drop an mf'er uh, about the referee. It's—I don't know exactly what he said, but he definitely dropped an mf'er, and he was just freaking pissed off. But uh, I just thought that was of note, and one of the things that I like about about Sabonis is, is that energy that he's always bringing uh, to the Pacers, and especially the bench unit, and. Um, so, anyways, Pacers get two wins against Detroit last week, uh, which we desperately needed because we just have not been winning very many games lately. If you if you've been paying attention, um, seems like the Pacers have been in a lot of these games, uh, but we just have not been winning them. And I'll have more on that here later. Um, so it felt good, you know, after that win against after the two wins against Detroit, we kept pace with Boston. We still had a chance at home court advantage. It all came down to this game Friday at home. Boston's coming to town. And really the Pacers kind of laid an egg. I mean, they came out, they came out fine. um, Actually had the lead at the end of the first quarter against Boston. It was 27 to 24 at the end of the first quarter. And then Boston just, you know, just spanked the Pacers in the second quarter, also in the third quarter. And it ended up being a 20 point win for Boston. Um, and that basically clinched home court for the Celtics. That meant, uh, you know, the Pacers were going to have to win at Brooklyn and Atlanta, and Boston was going to have to to lose a game or two, um, which the Pacers lost today at Brooklyn, and, and really they did not look good again today. Um, I guess maybe to note too, if you didn't watch the games uh, this past week with uh, in the Boston or in the Detroit games. And the Boston game, we we didn't have Darren Collison, uh, we didn't have Wesley Matthews against Detroit, but he did come back for the Boston game. So we ha- we you know our starting backcourt was they haven't been playing, and you know uh, it showed. So the Pacers were starting Tyreek Evans and Corey Joseph, which meant more minutes for Aaron Holiday, which is good. Aaron Holiday was getting some good run, and he is. He, I mean, I'm, I think Aaron, I mean, he's going to be a big part of the Pacers future, um, especially next year. I don't think he's going to be ready to start for the Pacers. It's just going to be really interesting to see what, what what we do here at the point guard position. I, I don't think we're going to bring back Collison. Um, but what do you do then with Corey Joseph? What do you do? Aaron Holiday's obviously going to be around, but I just I'd like to see the Pacers be able to bring somebody else in i I've obviously talked about Malcolm Brogdon on this podcast a lot um but it sounds like sounds like bogdanovich is gonna cost cost us a lot more money than what I had originally thought about whenever I was thinking Malcolm Brogdon uh so I just don't know how I don't know how what's gonna happen here um uh, I did see the athletic which is a uh some i don't know if it's a website or some sort of news news thing had a, a little Rumor mill about Bogdanovich, and you know, it's like, are the Pacers going to have to pay Bogdanovich the a, a max? Is he going to is he going to get a max contract this summer? And it seems like he, you know, it, s- it seems like he's not going to get the max contract, which would would put him in the range of like I think twenty five to twenty eight million dollars. Um, however, he's going to be probably closer to that eighteen to twenty million, according to this article. It wasn't even actually an article; it was just like three or four sentences. Um, that I found online from the athletic, um, which sucks because, well, it, I I don't know what you do with Bogdanovich. I, I think I'm probably not as high as most people are on Bogdanovich. And that's only because I think that when we have Oladipo in the lineup, the, the importance that Bogdanovich is to this team without Oladipo. Is way different than the importance he is when oladipo's around now i love bogdanovich and i want i want the pacers to re-sign him um but i certainly don't want the pacers to re-sign bogdanovich at the expense of losing sabonis next year so please don't do that kevin pritchard kevin pritchard's the general manager for the pacers um just a little side note there showing off my showing off my knowledge of the pacers So, yeah, you know, we got the wins against Detroit, then got spanked at home against Boston in the most important game of the season. And and then we had another home game uh, today against Brooklyn. And Brooklyn was a team, they haven't made the playoffs since 2013, 14, I believe, or 14, 15. It's It's been like three or four years since they've made the playoffs. And because Detroit's been sucking lately, Brooklyn was going to be able to clinch a spot in the playoffs if they beat the Pacers, and they definitely beat the Pacers today. It was Pacers got down um, by double digits in the second half. And really, I was just thinking, like watching this game, you know, um, like are we even as good as the Brooklyn Nets right now? Like if we were in a playoff series with the Nets, I don't know if we would beat them and it's not just cuz we lost this game but when you when you actually and this was this was kind of disheartening but um, i i just kind of looked back over the past uh, well there was a st- there's a stat that the that they threw up on the fox broadcast today that that the pacers have been down by double digits in 15 of their last 19 games at some point during the game i mean that's kind of crazy for a team that's uh, fighting for home court advantage in the playoffs, to to uh, consistently be down by double digits, no matter who you're playing, you know, um, just not a not a good sign for the Pacers. And it was kind of just a it's like a shot of reality. Like I love the team, I love the players on this team, but the reality is we're not winning games lately, and um, we've just been luckily treading water based on the fact that like Boston's been struggling and the Eastern conference is really weak outside of the top four or five teams now. Um, but anyways, I, so I just, I'm just, I'm just a little worried going here, going into the playoffs. The The Pacers have not, not looked great uh, to say the least. And I, they're very vulnerable when teams are, when the teams are not in the grind of the season and when teams are actually like geared up and bring in their a games the pacers are you know they just look outmatched and and that was that's what i saw on friday and sunday against boston and brooklyn uh, both teams like boston obviously wanted to beat beat uh the pacers uh, you know to get the home court advantage in the first round to kind of set the tone like you guys it's cute what you're doing but like you're not going to beat us and Because, you know, Boston beat the Pacers. Um, You know, the Pacers, they they did play Boston really well in Boston. You know, I think that was a week ago. Yeah, because we played Boston the last two Fridays. Uh, Only lost by two points. But then that home game, just getting getting spanked like that uh, leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And then Brooklyn came in uh, to Banker's Life and did the same thing. Brooklyn was, you know, they were ready to go because they they wanted to make the playoffs, and and they did. They clinched the playoff spot by by beating the Pacers, and so that's eighty one games into the season. That means there's only one left, and that comes on Wednesday when the Pacers go to Atlanta. Um, I there's really nothing to play for at this point. I mean, the record is forty seven and thirty four. I don't remember. I would love to. I I I will go back and do you know some sort of. I remember at the very beginning of the season, I I picked, like, the over-unders of some teams. I think most of mine are probably looking pretty bad. I know I took the over for Boston, which looks horrible. I know I took the over for the Pacers, but I just don't remember what that mark was at. So it's probably right around 46 to 48 wins. So we're sitting at 47 wins. Uh, if we get the win, uh, Wednesday against Atlanta, who, you know, Atlanta... I mean, they're a bad team, but they've got a lot of young talent, and they're they're playing with energy. Uh, Trey Young's been really good this the last like couple months of the season. They've got, um, is it what's the Collins? What's Collins' first name? Jared Jaron Collins. Why am I drawing a blank on this? Jason Collins. I don't know. He's a power forward. Express model. Same with Trey Young. You know, uh, the Express models are not very good looking. You got Trey Young, who the dude wore shorts to the NBA draft. You've got, and he's kind of like, you know, Trey Young. He's, yeah, it doesn't matter. But I don't think he's that good looking of a dude. Um, Definitely better looking than me. I'll preface that. All these guys are better looking than me. Uh, but I think, I think that Express could have done better with, with picking their models. But they, they, it seems like they're going after young guys. Maybe that's because the young guys are cheaper. I don't know. But you got, like, I've seen Trey Young on Express ads. I've seen uh, this Collins guy who's also on Atlanta Hawks. Um, I don't know about him. Uh, Mo Bamba. That's pretty impressive that you can fit a, fit a seven-footer like Mo Bamba in a suit. Uh, and then Oladipo is obviously an Express model. But uh, Express is doing a good job getting those NBA guys because I haven't bought clothes from anywhere but Express lately. And I don't know. I don't know why I'm talking about that. Who cares, right? Uh, But that's going to be the last game of the season at Atlanta. I I think the Pacers will probably... um, I would expect to see a lot of minutes for Aaron Holiday, a lot of minutes for TJ Leaf, a lot of minutes for... I don't know, probably Corey Joseph, um, but not much for Miles Turner or Sabonis. Uh, probably going to play a lot of the bench guys, because it really doesn't matter if we win or lose. We're going to be fifth overall in the Eastern Conference, and it, the most important thing is to be rested and ready for the playoffs, which are going to start this weekend. I think Saturday and Sunday will be the first the first rounds, like the or the first games of the first rounds, so... Sounds like we're going to be at Boston and it'll just be interesting to see if it's going to be Saturday or Sunday. Um so yeah, that's and then that'll tie a bow on the on the first um, or on the 2018-19 season, the regular season to say. I'm glad to see, I'm, I mean I'm I'm happy that the Pacers made the playoffs, our season continues. Um, 14 of the teams in the league don't get to don't get to play any more games after after Wednesday and the Pacers do. So um, I like that. Um, what else? Do I... Yeah, we're going to be on the road. It's going to be Boston. Boston's got probably the best home court in the league. One of the best home courts in the league. Um, it's going to be scary. And uh, I'll, I'll get into like, you know, the Boston series a little bit more. But I'm going to preface it with with kind of some bad news. And this was this was what I was looking up before I started this pod tonight. And um, yeah, it's it's just kind of, it's kind of gray. Before I do that, I will say that the Pacers, so like a couple years ago, the Pacers had every, it seems like every playoffs, right? They have like a slogan. Um, And this is so such an over, in my opinion, an overhyped thing. Like I remember back in the back before. Like when it gets to the playoffs, it's like every single home game for every single team, every single fan gets like a t shirt, like the same color t shirt, and it's supposed to be like a whiteout. Like I remember the first teams I really remember doing that was like Miami Heat with LeBron and they would do like the whiteouts. So like all the all the fans would wear white to the games and it would look cool because, you know, it was just like, whoa, everybody in the crowd's dressed the same and it'd be Miami, it'd be white. And then like all of a sudden, all the other teams started doing it too. And so now before every playoff games, you can you can, you can can see the arenas. Every seat has a t-shirt on it. But um, the, the Pacers, I remember the Pacers had a, a slogan that was like gold or no, blue collar, gold, blue collar, gold swagger. Was that one of them? And the one that they have for this next year or for this season is gold. Don't quit. Gold, don't quit. I wonder if last year, because they say this a lot, is like, we grow, baske- we grow basketball here. Like, was that the slogan last year? I don't know. But gold, don't quit is the 2018-19 playoffs uh, slogan. Eh. That's all I really have to say about it, you know? Eh. Gold, don't quit. Uh, that's good because we... You know, if we do have any quit in us, it will be exploited uh, because we are going to have to be very, very resilient, very, very disciplined. Um, the only chance I, I give the Pacers against Boston is if the Pacers literally play like perfect basketball, perfect team basketball. I'm talking super low turnovers. Um an an extreme amount of focus and discipline on the defensive end, um, rebounding. Anyways, I'll get into that when I kind of, I'm going to do a little preview of the Boston series. Um, But so gold don't quit is the the playoff swagger. So get used to hearing that. Uh, I took a look at what the Pacers have done since March. Now they had that really hard stretch in March. Like I think it was 10 or 11 games where they, played all those Western Conference teams and just a lot of playoff teams and, and predictably, you know, lost a lot of those games. But uh, since March 1st, the Pacers have played 18 games. And, and and take a guess, like how many games do you think we've won out of, out of the last 18? You know, I mean, it seems like we've been in a lot of games. I mean, you had that like the Boston games, like, oh, shit, you know, we lost that one. Kyrie hit that shot at the buzzer. Um, but we were in it. It's like you think, oh, if we were in it against Boston, we were probably, I don't know, we probably won like half of those games. Well, unfortunately, we've only won six of them. So the Pacers are 6-12 and 12 over their last 18 games going into the playoffs here. Um, the only good wins were the, the Wesley Matthews offensive rebound tip-in against Oklahoma City, got that win. And then that time we spanked Denver at home by like 40 points. Those are the only two wins. The other, the, the other four wins in that stretch were like against like the Knicks, the Bulls, uh, and then those two games against Detroit this this week. So that's even worse, right? Like we would have been four and four and ten over our last fourteen, anyways. Um, it seems like the paces are de- are definitely trending trending down. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, we've trailed by ten or more points in fifteen of nineteen games. It's, it's just, what do you expect though, right? We lost our best player. I mean, we don't have Victor Oladipo. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be tough, but uh, we made the playoffs. We got Boston. Uh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about it? Uh, so what are we going to expect? It's seven-game series. It'll go two games in Boston, two games in Indiana, That's what we're guaranteed. And then you go back to Boston for Game 5, back to Indiana for Game 6, and then Boston if there were a Game 7. You know, obviously we've already played Boston at least three times, two times in the past two weeks. Uh, They've had our number. Uh, Boston certainly has the most talent when you're comparing the two teams. I would say that Boston probably has... At least three, at least the top three, maybe the top four players on the, uh, between both teams. So if you were to take the Pacer roster and take the and Boston's roster, and you um, you put all the players out on the court at once, and you were able to to pick who you wanted, I think I think you'd probably end up picking four Boston Celtics guys before you picked the first Pacer. Uh, so that's not a good sign. You know the Celtics obviously have a superstar, top ten player in Kyrie Irving. They got Old Faithful, um, Al Horford. He's a dude that's just gonna always make the right play. He's kind of like the stabilizer for Boston, I would say. And then you got the young guy, Jason Tatum. He's gonna be your, he's gonna be the springy legs. He's gonna be the guy that he can hit threes, he can penetrate um he can rebound slash uh he's got long arms tatum's a dude that's just you know he's awesome and then that last game against boston gordon hayward came off the bench and and had 21 points against the pacers not on nine of nine shooting i i would say gordon hayward you might even you might even take him over over anybody on the pacers not now i know if you look at the whole the whole season hayward hasn't had a great season but like the dude can ball, and he's been balling really well of late, and that makes Boston a super scary team in the playoffs, especially against the Pacers. Because I don't know, we're kind of like, I love this team, but we're kind of like we're kind of like fools gold, you know? When when you kind of look behind the curtain, you're like, oh, I see what you guys are doing here. You just have a lot of really good. You got a really, you got a bunch of slightly above average players. You win the games that you're supposed to win. And when you play in the Eastern Conference, there's a lot of trash teams, and you can just rack up a bunch of wins. And I mean, that's honestly kind of what the Pacers did this year. We just beat a lot of trash teams, and then but you still have to. It's not taking away anything from the Pacers. Um, So, where am I going? I I think the best. I think I think the chances of, of the Pacers beating Boston in a playoff series. Is, is very, very slim. I, I, I would say less than 10% chance. Um, I, I, my gut, actually, I'm concerned that the Pacers might get swept. I could see us definitely losing two in a row, like losing both games in Boston and then coming back to Indianapolis, uh, down two games to nothing. Um, who on this team would be able to lead us to a playoff win. Um I don't know. I mean it that's the thing about it, right? It's got to be the whole team. So but it could happen. And and the other thing, you know, which I've talked about is you know, the Pacers have been a team all season that that have they play hard, they they're deep, they have a lot of guys that contribute and Boston on the other hand has been a team that's underachieved. I mean, they were certainly they at the beginning of the season they were the favorite to to uh, finish first in the east you know they, bear, they 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 finished fourth well it's almost over but it looks like they're going to finish fourth um, so i don't know maybe boston implodes you know like like maybe maybe they really aren't going to be able to to put to come together during the playoffs as a team and if the Pacers play really, really well, so what? What does that look like? Like, I think the Pacers, number one, have to get. They have to get back to. I feel like they have to get back to to being one of the best defensive teams in in, in the league. And that seems. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it seems to me that the Pacers have been giving up a lot more points than what we used to give up. Like, uh, it seems like maybe f- the first half of the season. It was, you know, pretty much all the all the games we were we were averaging um about like a hundred and hundred to a hundred and three points is what we'd allow uh, for our opponents. But it seems like recently a lot of these games are getting you know, teams are getting up over the one tens and um, you always hear Dan Burke talking about like, you know, the defense and like the Pacers haven't been playing the best defense and uh so to me that's that's the that's the number one thing that the Pacers are going to have to do against Boston is we're going to have to, we're going to have to be, we're going to have to be way better than Boston on the defensive end. And it probably starts with miles Turner. He's still leading the league in blocks. Um, and he needs to, he needs to hold true to that in, in the playoffs here. He needs to, uh, get back to, you know, not get back. I mean, he's, he's still been, he's Turner's still been protecting the rim. Um, but he's got to do a great job of protecting the rim and he's got to hold his own on the glass. So uh, he can't let Horford and Baines and uh, Marcus Morris, uh, even Tatum, you know, Marcus smart. Can't let those guys get those offensive rebounds. So uh, when the shot goes up, if Boston misses, the Pacers have got to get the rebound. And that's something that we've been struggling with of late. I think that starts with miles Turner, you know? And so that's a lot for him. Like, you know, it, and this is this is why I don't really like our chances against Boston because we're gonna have to we're gonna need Miles Turner to play his very very best basketball on the defensive end, and um, we'll see if he can do it. We're gonna need Dad Young to be super active. Same with Wesley Matthews. Uh, prob. I mean, I would assume we're gonna put Wesley Matthews on um, maybe Kyrie. Um. So. Whoever we put in, put put on Kyrie, rather that be Wesley Matthews or Darren Collison, gotta keep Kyrie out of the paint. Because when Kyrie gets in the paint, he's gonna he's gonna score, he's gonna make assists, uh, he's gonna kick out for open threes, and we're gonna be screwed. So, and and these are all things. It's like, good luck. I don't know if we can do it, but I I think I think that in order for the Pacers to to compete in this series against Boston we got to get back to playing great defense like we need to see these games you know around that 100 point mark we don't want to get into a a 115 to 120 shootout with Boston they've got too many weapons uh, we don't have enough weapons and so we really need to ugly the game up and uh you know do that blue collar gold what's what was that blue collar gold swagger we just need to, we need to make the game dirty and and physical and it starts with my we need that from miles turner so uh one thing to note uh in this game against brooklyn today turner turner went out in the third quarter because he like came down on his ankle weird uh he was questionable to return so that's a good sign i don't think it would be anything serious i doubt he's going to play wednesday against atlanta which means you know he'll have a, a solid week to recover so he should be ready um we're gonna need we're gonna need a lot out of thad young on the defensive end and same with wesley matthews you guys are veterans you're i mean they're they're gonna have to play huge roles for the pacers to have success against boston uh on the offensive end we got to have bogdanovich we're gonna need 28 to 30 we're gonna need bogdanovich to average like 30 a game against boston and Bogey's actually been struggling a little bit of late, like over the past probably two weeks or so. I think his shooting's been not two weeks, this past week, the last four games, uh, because actually the week prior he was averaging twenty eight a game, if I remember correctly. Uh, in my opinion, Bogey's got a bogie has got to have it going on in the offensive end, and really, um, we need the same from like Collison and Matthews. It's gonna we're gonna need the entire team to play well, and. I think we're going to need seven or eight guys to be double figure scorers. And that means if McDermott comes, if McDermott gets any run off the bench, like you've got to knock down those threes. Um, You know, I think, you know, uh, Corey Joseph, same thing. If you're going to, if Corey Joseph's going to play, which he will, you got to, you got to be hitting your shot, which uh, that was one thing too, this in the game against Brooklyn today, uh, Corey Joseph started to find a little bit of rhythm, which was good. Um, the other thing that the Pacers are going to need to do, in my opinion, to compete with Boston, is we're going to need our X factor, Demontis Sabonis, to uh, to be the best player off the bench for both teams. So he's obviously going to be the Pacers' best player off the bench, uh, but Boston brings brings a lot of a lot of skill off the bench with with Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown. Marcus Morris, especially Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown, you know, like we need Sabonis to be better than those three guys. Like Sabonis needs to have a bigger impact on the game than Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown do. And that's another tough task. All these things are going to be hard to do, uh, which is why I, I'm, I'm just not that hopeful. Um, and then like, what are we going to be able to get from Wesley Matthews and Darren Collison? The two guys... Two veterans, you know, both their both these guys are in their thirties. Going up against Kyrie Irving and and Marcus Smart, um, and and the backcourt of Boston, you know, it's gonna be. We're gonna need to get. We're, ne- we're gonna need offense from both of those guys, and we're gonna need really solid defense. How's that for some, some, uh, what would you call that? Uh, analysis. We need good offense and good defense. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, but I'm really concerned, actually, about the about this about this matchup. I, I, I'm afraid that the Pacers are just going to maybe get overwhelmed. And if things go sideways, like dropping the first, if we if we lose both games on the road, game one and game two, uh, game, you know, it's like all right, we come back to Indianapolis. I know the crowd will be there, but. What if boston comes out and they're just like let's just let's let's sweep what if, what if boston comes to Indi- indianapolis for game three and they're thinking they've got sweep on their mind if that's the case um it'll probably happen i i, I the pacers are just going to be overmatched it's it's a long shot i would not bet on the pacers to win this series as much as i want them to win it i i i believe in the pacers to an extent like i believe that it's possible For our defense to be engaged and uh, to be ferocious and like disruptive again, I I believe it's possible for our entire team to to gel and play well together and, and have, you know, multiple like six, seven, eight guys in double figures like a truly balanced attack against Boston. I think it's possible for Sabonis to be the best player off the bench. Uh, for either team, I think he can outplay Gordon Hayward, but I think smart money is going to say you go with you go with the team that's got the best players. You go with the team that has the proven playoff experience. Last year, this Boston team, you know, went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, they Boston's got home court. Boston's got more momentum. The Pacers are struggling of late. The Pacers don't have their best player, so. I don't know. I'm sorry, Pacer fans. Like I and, I, and I'm sorry for myself. I, I don't want. I don't want this to be how the season ends. I, I want the Pacers to to be competitive, in this series. I'm just. Unfortunately, I'm just skeptical. I just think. I think it's going to be really tough, and especially just like the the way that the Pacers have been playing of late, it just feels like. Maybe other teams have figured out what we're doing, and. We'll see, uh, but that's why you got to play the games. You never know. I mean, Boston could implode. They're a team that they they haven't been consistent this entire year, and maybe the Pacers step it up and 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 we are, we're the first team to strike. Maybe we go into Boston and, and win a game because if if we can go in and get one of those first two games in Boston, now you now now you got my attention. Um, so, anyways, it'll it'll be fun and and playoff bat. There's nothing like the playoff basketball in the NBA. Uh, so yeah, that's it. We'll we'll see how this season wraps up. I mean, it's been a fun season, regardless of, of how the playoffs turn out. It eh, it's fun. The right I don't know if fun's the right word. Maybe just uh, it's been fun for me. I've really enjoyed doing this podcast. I've enjoyed watching all these games and really kind of following the ebbs and flows of the season. I've real I really enjoyed the fact that the Pacers didn't crumble when Oladipo went out that that the uh you know the gen- like that Kevin Pritchard. Shout out to Kevin Pritchard, second call out on the podcast. Uh you know, he went out and got us Wesley Matthews. He didn't trade away our our big uh you know like he didn't trade away our vets. He believed in the team. And so it's like hey the the team certainly believes in themselves, and that's why we just got to play the games. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. It's been a, it's it definitely has been a, it's been a fun season. I've I've, I've enjoyed it. I've en- and uh, I hope I hope you guys have enjoyed it as well, uh, being Pacer fans or just you know watching the Pacers. So uh, all right, before I wrap up here, I had an experience I wanted to share uh, with you guys. And this is something that I did today for the first time. I've heard about this for a couple years now uh, from listening to podcasts, um, specifically Joe Rogan podcast. And uh, I went to a float tank this morning and a float tank is basically like a tanning bed that's filled with a thousand pounds of Epsom salt and it's filled with water and um it was awesome i just i just put it out that way like i didn't know I, I well i guess i knew somewhat what to expect because i have a friend who's been going uh over the past couple months and really that was like yeah man, i should definitely check it out because it sounds like you know he was he was really enjoying it he's been going like couple once every other week or so and so uh i made an appointment it was a that's the thing with like stuff that feels really good, like massages or now that I've been to the float tank, it's just a little pricey, like uh, whatever. That's maybe not kosher to talk about on the pod, uh, but it cost me like 60 bucks for one hour. So it's not something I can be doing every weekend. Um, but anyways, the float tank, it, like I said, it's kind of it's like if you've ever been to a tanning bed or whatever, you go into this place, it's like a spa and you get your own room, and in this room there's there's a shower, and then there's this big, kind of like egg egg shaped looking pod, uh, probably seven feet long and maybe like four or five feet wide, and uh, it's it's got warm water, and it's f- filled with salt and like. You get into this pod and you, you shut the door, you, you close the hatch down and it leaves maybe like um, an inch of space between the top hatch and, and the bottom hatch. And that space is for like the air to come in and out. You can do it however you want. Uh, I decided to go like full out sensory deprivation mode. That's what I wanted. I didn't want to see anything. Um, I didn't want any lights on. I didn't want any music. So i shut everything down and you just put these earplugs in and then you just get in you just get in there and, and you just lay down on your back and you and you put your head back and you just float um, i gen i kind of just let my arms uh, go to the side and i floated for an hour and uh but you don't know like how long you've been in there uh and it was like it was kind of weird the first five to ten minutes, for me, just trying to get—I mean, really, just trying to relax, like, like allow myself to, um, I guess, to stop, stop analyzing what was going on, and just to start to relax and just kind of be, um, be, uh, be present, or like kind of just be receptive to whatever. Thoughts might come or, or whatever thoughts don't come because a lot of times I, it was, well one of the, I guess one of the things that was cool was, like it was almost like being in, I mean it was like being in a cave the darkness was it was so dark, and then the fact that you had these earplugs in, it was almost like a deafening quiet too, uh, in a good way. Uh, you could I was like I put my hands like right up next to my to my eyes and I, I couldn't see them. Um, there was no change from the like if, if you had your eyes open versus if you had your eyes closed, like your perception, there, there was no change in that. And, uh, I love that. Um, it was, a it was an experience that I, I will, I definitely want to go back. I definitely want to keep doing that. Um, maybe somewhat make it a routine because, um, not to get too woo woo, but I, I felt, um, I felt a sense of like the most beautiful way to be disconnected from my life on earth. I felt that in, in, while I was on in this, in this water, I, I, I felt not that like my body was somewhere else, but I just felt like that my mind was like, I felt like I am part of my, my existence is like part of the universe. It's like this little sliver of the universe that I, that I get to, to be a part of and that's like my consciousness and then so when i was when i was in the pod i was able to see like dude just you like just relax a little bit more and and enjoy what you have like enjoy, not just enjoy what you have as in like oh you've got a car and you've got a good job and you've got a wife but like it just enjoy everything because it, whenever I was floating I just felt like oh there's this is just temporary and not that I know what happens after like death or what happened before death but uh, when I was in that pod it it it, it definitely made me think like what is this what it was like before I was born almost like it, it was just so it was just such a it was such a unique and uh it was an experience that i just never ha- i haven't really had anything even close to it um but so i i really enjoyed it um the people that worked there were super nice and um i would definitely i would definitely go back but uh i don't know we'll see i i i, I want to go back and that was uh it was fun so i did the float and i enjoyed it so that ought to do it. It's past my bedtime, quarter till 10, and getting ready to start this week. Um, Yeah, you know what? I'm already talking about personal stuff, so like one other thing is uh, my challenge for myself this week is to, um, yeah, I'm just going to say it, it's just to my my i i i'm going to really 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 try to be uh 100% sober all like all week which is kind of a weird thing to talk about because i'm admitting that a lot of times i'm not sober uh but that's that's me. That's where I'm at. I'm 32 years old, and I I I didn't I didn't drink a ton in college. I mean, I did in spurts, like when I, when I when I could, I did. But I went to a very conservative college. I was on cross country and track teams. Hell, I even got kicked off a team one time for drinking. Um, so it was just an environment that just didn't really allow uh, for that to be easily available. Um, but then I moved off campus and then once I was done with, you know, being on the teams, I, I just kind of like let the, let, let the alcohol and, and like substances just kind of like rush in. And I, it was definitely prevalent in my household growing up and prevalent with like my extended family. It was just kind of like what we, what we do. It's like we get together and, and that's our way of, um, loosening up and and being able to to be more open with each other um and so like i think once i, I guess once i let myself um I, I i guess yeah so it's like once i got out of once i was able to be um free to make my own choices after college i always chose to drink Um, and and because a lot of the times I didn't necessarily think there was anything wrong with it, but as I'm getting older and I've, and it's, it's definitely caused, um, some problems, some like personal problems, like with the relationships and, um, but I'm saying all that this is extremely personal, but you know, I just, this week in particular, I, I'm really, really, really trying to figure out you know why it is that I go to that I go to the this as my solution or like why why is why do I feel like everything will be better or it's only going to be okay if I if I have like something to alter my mood or you know like uh something to kind of change the radio dial a little bit like I just feel like I need to be um I just need to be tuned up a little bit is, is my thoughts and like I'm just realizing, you know, like whenever it's like one thing, if you don't think about it, like it's like, oh, I'm just going to have a couple beers, like I'm going to watch the Pacers game and have a beer or two. And it's like, that's fine. And I'm not against that. And I, I don't I'm not trying to not drink ever or I just want to figure out like I just want to be able to do it responsibly and and to do it. I want to be in control of it, like the way that. The people closest to me are like some some people in my life. I know um, that they, they can. It, it's not something that they have to necessarily decide every day if if they're going to partake in it or not. Whereas for me, like at this point in my life and what like the momentum that I've created over the past 10 years, it's like I have to like make a decision consciously to not to not do it. And I don't know, it's it's just kind of like, fuck, like, I don't I don't want to be the guy who's always got to have a beer every time it's available. Um, I want to be the guy who's like, able to do things on a on a social level. And um, so I'm just whenever I go without it, it, it's very clear to me how deep these grooves, these patterns are in, in my brain and in my behavior um and honestly just by talking about it like even right now it just helps me to feel okay um with the struggle and that's that so that's what i'm going after this week um (laughs) it's gonna be it's gonna be hard but it's what it is that's that's what it is folks that's what it is so all right that was that that's that's uh episode 32 uh famous pacer who wore number 32 three two one Dale davis all right that's a wrap thanks for checking out the pod um thanks for letting me be vulnerable that's what I do that's what I um I'm being i I, th- I think that's what is gonna that's kind of what makes this uh different is it's truly me like i i I really want to be as open as i can be uh, within reason and uh go from there so i'm gonna shut her down thanks for checking out the pod everybody have a great week peace